Hariyom, and welcome to Live Vedanta, Parenting Culture, a podcast series that explores how we can apply Vedanta, the science of happiness, towards all our relationships. This podcast is for all caregivers who want to nurture relationships. So this applies to all parents, parents-to-be, teachers, uncles and aunts, and grandparents. The content for the upcoming episodes are from the weekly parenting culture community, and specifically the discourses by Sri Vivek Gupta, the spiritual guide of Chinmay Mission Niagara. If you've discovered this podcast independently, please check out the show notes for details on how to join this virtual community of caregivers. It's now time to listen and learn. If, if, you're, if you're focusing on effort, let's say with schoolwork, if success for school is um, the amount of exert, effort you exert rather than your grades, for example, that could, for me, that could be implemented as, okay, every day when you come back from school or whatever it is, for this X amount of time, you're working on homework. Even if you don't have that much worth of homework to do, from this amount of time, you're working on something academic. And that's even true. And I think, again, I don't have direct experience with this, but from a theoretical perspective, I think it should also be true for even if you can't finish all of your homework in that amount of time, I feel like that should be a cutoff that, right? If you've put forth your effort and even if you didn't get everything done, fine, right? You, you, you did what you set out to do, and you've maintained the consistency in trying to develop the habit. And whatever outcome is the result of that is 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 totally fine. That is my obviously, there's realities in the world that, you know, like if you're going to fail a class and you need to work beyond the whatever four hours or three hours that you've set aside, okay, maybe you have to do that. But I think, as an overall rule of thumb, um, our responsibility should be confined to a routine rather than so focused on trying to accomplish certain tasks. You know, I prim primarily I, I teach um, like high school and, and younger students. So one thing that I often present um, to them is that you know, as we're thinking about our career trajectory, let, let's say I want to be a doctor. One way to think about it would be, okay, I have to get good grades in high school to get into a good college, and then I have to do really well in college to get into a good medical program. And it goes on. There's a whole list of external milestones that I have to reach in order to become a doctor. But uh, I think a better way to frame the path to becoming a doctor would be to say, what are the qualities that a successful doctor must have for them to achieve their success? So it could be like, you know, a doctor, they have to be hardworking, strive for excellence, good, good, good at communication, right? You come up with a list of all of the necessary qualities that a successful doctor must have. And then instead of mapping the trajectory to, being a, to becoming a doctor as a set of external milestones that we have to accomplish, we can reframe the path to, I must develop these virtues in order to become a doctor. 
And all of the work in which all of the schoolwork that I'm doing, all of these responsibilities that I'm engaging in are to help facilitate the development of these virtues. And the profound thing about reframing it this way is that success and failure then becomes entirely within our own control. Right? We don't like, to a certain extent, we have very little control over what university we get accepted to, whether we get placed into a residency program, you know, on and on and on. We think we have control over it, but really it's, there's not a lot of control that we have. And that it's that lack of control that manifests itself as stress in our lives. So to reframe any pursuit to be, um, to be for the purpose of developing virtue, it seems like a, a much, um, you know, a way in which we can help reduce the anxiety and stress surrounding school and academics and our future. So I think that as the most important point, especially when I was growing up, was that I never learned the habits that would enable future success for me. For me, it was, okay, am I getting the grades? Am I winning the tennis tournaments or whatever it is? It was so outcome focused that I didn't set myself up for continued success over time because I didn't really develop the necessary habits which enabled that type of success. So um, again, just to sort of summarize, whenever we're trying to instill responsibility, it seems like the strategy which we should focus on would be to focus on helping the child be consistent in their routine rather than focusing on whether they've accomplished or achieved the outcomes that they hoped to see. Okay. I think the next, um, the next important area of helping to develop responsibility would be to set clear and consistent expectations. So for example, um, when I was growing up, we, you know, we, after we ate dinner, we knew when we would have to wash dishes or not wash our dishes based on the mood of my parents. So I could feel it. I, if my parents were like tired or, you know, they were kind of grumpy, I would wash my dishes. But if I knew that, you know, they, we were just laughing, I would just leave the plates in, in the sink and I would just go on my way. And my parents would wash my dishes for me. So I was like playing this game of, okay, I, this is only my responsibility whenever I know I can get, a, get away with it or not get away with it, rather than a clear and consistent, uh, you know, framework of, okay, look, after dinner, it's your responsibility to wash your own dishes. That's the rule all of the time. So I think that that type of clarity and consistency in terms of what our expectations are of our children um, sh should be made very, very clear instead of this guesswork of, okay, do my parents want this? Do they want that? It's, it just sends the wrong message. It's, it's more like, how do I walk the path of, uh, of least resistance? And that then becomes my own philosophy in life of, okay, how do I navigate all of these responsibilities so that I can put forth the least amount of effort and still get 
what I want. So that's that's the entirely the wrong message which we're trying to instill. Um, so that I think is the second point: clear and consistent expectations. And one, one, you know, just reflecting back on my time growing up with my parents, I think one thing that I wish was done differently was that, you know, oftentimes my parents had many suggestions for what they, you know, things that I could do, which they think would help me in the future. So it'd be like, you know, why don't you look into this thing? Or why don't you do this? And there were so many suggestions. But that was the extent of the direction which I usually got when it came to, to trying to work on those things. There was no real, okay, if this is what you suppose. So one thing my parents often told me was, you know, why don't you um, try and find an internship somewhere? You know, we have so many friends. Why don't you ask, um, you know, this person or that person if you can shadow them or something like that. And to me, from my parents' point of view, that's such a simple thing. Just pick up the phone, call them. If you ask them, they'll say yes, you can go. But for me as a child, that was a very daunting task that my parents have presented in front of me to call someone who I really have no, I don't really know them that well, to ask them for a favor, to go into a totally new environment, like an office environment. So to have that type of expectation that, okay, I gave a suggestion, but then there's no direction afterwards. There's no, um, you know, there's no, essentially the point I'm trying to make is, is that when we're setting a goal, both, you know, for, for, there's a, there's a, a mutual goal that both the parent and child can agree upon. There should be, um, a clear progression of the steps that need to happen in order to reach that goal. And I think that clarity of the steps is really crucial for helping the children, helping you know a child feel motivated towards a task. One thing that I've often found is that whenever I'm feeling unmotivated or you know like whenever I feel like my responsibilities are becoming a chore, it's because I perceive that I'm not really making any progress towards my goal. I don't feel the growth. Okay, let, let me let me rewind. <laughs> I'm so used to talking to, uh, you know, to high schoolers and children that all of my examples are going to sound so, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, so trivial, but you know, like in a video game, <laughs> in a video game, one of the things which makes video games so engaging, so addicting almost, is that there's this instant reward system. As soon as you exert effort, you see the immediate reward, right? Like your character levels up or whatever, you get this new item or wh whatever it is. And I think the same is true that, and that's what motivates the, the gamer in, in wanting to play more and more and more is that they can clearly see the growth and the results of their effort. So a problem I think that we have in the real world when it comes to fulfilling our responsibilities is that we have this responsibility which really only manifests far in the future. Or, you know, even if it's at the end of the year, whatever it is, whether it's grades or whether it's getting into schools or whatever it is, typically our responsibilities our, our goals are set, you know, that uh, in a very distant future. 
And it's hard to feel motivated when we feel like there's still so much left to do and we're not really making any meaningful progress towards that goal. So I think what's key is to set milestones, which are much more, um, which are much easier, you know, almost like a daily milestone that could be hit or a weekly milestone that could be hit so that we feel like we're actually making progress towards this really lofty and, and far away goal. And I felt like that was one area in my childhood, which was, you know, kind of lacking. It was, you know, go do this. And then I was off free to try and pursue it however I could, but I had no real direction of what was required in order to do that. Okay. So first was focus on effort rather than outcome. Second was clear and consistent expectations with, uh, with a framework on how one can take small steps to achieve those lofty goals. Okay. And the last is, and we sort of touched on this in the beginning, and I think is probably one of the most challenging parts of parenting is to allow room for failure. And, um, you know, I think some children like me, for example, for especially is I never, I don't think there was a single thing I've ever learned by my parents just telling me. Like, I don't know how many times my parents have told me, don't procrastinate. No matter how many times they tell me that, I, I still procrastinate, right? And there's just, I think for some people, they can only learn by facing the sorrow that's resulting from their bad behavior. And it's hard to see your loved ones go through that kind of sorrow, but sometimes it's absolutely necessary in the only way which can actually result in changes in behavior. So I think um, I think that's that's really important and something that um, parents can really struggle with. Like, you know, I still remember and for and even all the way up to high school, I would procrastinate for anything, any project. I'd sit there the night before. I'd be like, you know, cutting out paper and making posters. And my mom would see me and she. And I'd be like, oh, I still have so much left. And I'd have this huge amount of work that I had to do all night. I'd be up all night. So my mom, she, you know, obviously she'd be feeling bad for me. So she'd come and she'd help me. And she, you know, we'd just be sitting and cutting together and doing the project together. And while I definitely appreciate her help and any project she helped me with, I always did really well. But I feel like maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. Maybe it was, look, you put yourself in this situation. This is the this is what happens when you don't procrastinate. You think that you can get it all done. And I continue to think that because my mom was sitting there helping me. But in reality and in, in the real world, if you procrastinate like that, you won't succeed in whatever it is you're trying to do. And I, I really didn't learn that lesson. I learned, I all I learned was that it was terrible the night before a project. So Actually, all I learned was that doing projects was terrible. So that it really just made my propensity to procrastinate even more, right? My association with projects now was it's a huge chore. It's staying up all night. It's doing all of these tedious things all at once for hours and hours and hours, rather than, you know, maybe it's not that bad if you just do like 15 minutes worth of work every night. So I, it's, it's all, it, all of these small seemingly benign things can really 
um, have a profound impact on one's association with certain tasks. So it's like, maybe, uh, maybe I should rewind. I think one of the keys for um, encouraging children to be responsible is that there should be a positive association when children are being responsible. It shouldn't be treated constantly as this chore that we have to do every time we have a responsibility. It's all, all, always a negative association. And that was my whole childhood. Any responsibility I had, I had this automatic negative association, even if it was a small thing. And I think that if we can work on changing the types of ex experiences a child has while they're engaging in their responsibilities, it can go a long way. So maybe it's like one thing that um, this is totally ideological and theory, and I have no, again, I have no actual experience in this, but in this idealistical future that I have with me growing up with my son, I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be fun if I called Rudra's classmates over, you know, and they all worked on a project together in our house, you know, whatever. And it could be like a fun thing instead of a play date where they're just playing video games. Like, why don't you call them over? It's a weekday. We can all do our homework together. You and your friends and we'll cook you dinner and it'll be fun, right? You After you guys finish your homework, you guys can play. So at least there's some positive association with engaging in that kind of work. And again, maybe that's not practical. Maybe it's totally idealistic. I have no clue yet, but uh, will be determined in, in some years. <laughs> All right. Okay, La last point I wanted I want to make and this again is just coming from my own personal experience. I think and I see this a lot with high schoolers also is that whenever someone is feeling unmotivated or dejected or you know that they're struggling with tamas or lethargy or, you know that it's it's that tamas is like inertia. It takes a lot of effort to get them to move and to do things. I think one of the root problems to Thomas is that there's some addiction that we have or the child has. So like, for example, when I was growing up, homework always seemed to be the worst thing in the world because it pulled me away from doing, from playing this one computer game that I was obsessed with. So, you know, any free moment I had my mind was always on the computer game or whatever it was. And I think that it's that, see that whenever we're engaging in whatever, either whether it's video games or things that we really like to do, there's a lot of dopamine that's released in the brain. So if you're constantly used to that, you know, that overstimulation of the senses, then whenever you have to, whatever, like read a book or to do anything hard, it feels that much harder because you're already so used to such extreme stimulation in the mind. So it makes those tasks even more horrible to engage in. So I always found that, you know, whenever we came back from India, for example, where I, I didn't have my computer, I couldn't play the video game. As soon as I came back, doing schoolwork was so much easier. It was like, wow, I, you know, I, reading this book isn't really that bad. It's not as bad as I, it, as I thought it would be. But then as soon as I started playing the computer game again, slowly, 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 work would be more terrible, more terrible. It's more of a chore, more of a hindrance. 
more of the thing which is keeping me away from fun. And that became my only association with any type of responsibility is this is the problem that's keeping me away from doing something that I find actually enjoyable. And I, I, these addic addictions, especially with our devices, are so pernicious and they, they create all of these really, really subtle effects. You know, it, it, even when the game is off or even when we're not using the device, our, like my mind was still there. It, it was, it never left. It was, okay, let me read this really fast so that then I can go play. So it was always in my mind. And, I, you know, I, uh, I can't really say what the solution is, but I, I feel like if, if we've observed that in a child, one of the, I, I always feel like one of the root problems is some form of addiction and whatever it is. And if, if we can have some time away from that to sort of reset and realize our independence from that um, object of addiction, then everything sort everything else sort of falls in place. All right. <laughs> so, oh, I, I went over time. Um, so I think now we'll, we'll shift to our um, dynamics section of class. Want to join Parenting Culture Live? Good news! We have the information on how you can attend in the show notes. For those on the journey of self-development, Chinmai Mission Niagara provides a community forum to listen, reflect, and contemplate. And this podcast is produced by Evolving Adults of Chinmai Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. For more updates on what's happening in the Chinmai Mission Niagara community, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at CM Niagara. But until next time, inspire, love, be.